0: Hello, you are listening to the Bethel Atlanta Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com. How are you guys doing this morning? All right. Well, I'm I'm, uh, excited about that time of worship we just had. Anybody else? You guys feel that? I love, uh, you know, Bethel Atlanta cultivates a house where the presence resides, right? You guys know this? And uh, it's not something church leadership is in the back of the room strategizing on how to do that. It's something you guys do in a moment like this morning where we all step up, as Steve would say, that we're all worship leaders, right? Right? And we all step into that place of leading ourselves into a place of worship. And when we do that corporately, guess what happens? The presence of God shows up in a mighty, powerful way. He inhabits the praises of his people. Amen? And so it's, it's us as a family that are doing that, that are creating an environment for the presence of God to, to rest, to, to come, to uh, be in us, amongst us, uh, it, where we experience encounters and life-changing encounters. Amen? So... Well done. Well done stepping into that place of worship. I just was so encouraged this morning during worship, like, wow, this is, the worship team thanks you. I'll, I'll thank you on behalf of Vanessa. As an old worship leader, the worship team thanks you when you are engaging in that way, makes their job a little easier, amen? Any, any worship worshipers in the room, any musicians in the room that done that, right? You know, Mike, you know, it's a lot easier, isn't it? When people are like, wow, we're going in, that's right. All right, hey, if you want, uh, can you turn to Isaiah 61? We're going to, kind of what I'm going to share this morning is uh, a little bit like part two of what I shared a couple weeks ago. You guys, how many of you guys heard the message a couple weeks ago about what are we building? Put your hands up real high, give me a little read on, okay, great, great. So a couple weeks ago, I shared... um, this message called what are we building and and uh just kind of really pulled out of nehemiah right of like nehemiah's assignment to go and rebuild jerusalem and and uh in that in that assignment you know a lot of times it's that kind of like just we'll do a quick recap right so a lot of times what we hear when we hear nehemiah is the 52 days it took to build the wall amen and then so what 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 we fail to to sometimes address, which when I was reading through the book of Nehemiah a while back and started digging in, I was like, hey, there's there's like a whole 12 years unaccounted for outside of the 52 days that he built the wall. So what was happening in the rest of the 12 years, right? And so as I shared a couple weeks ago, as we kind of unpack what the rest of the 12 years were about was not just rebuilding the walls, his assignment, if you go back to the first chapter, when he's with the king, his assignment that he heard from the Lord was to go rebuild Jerusalem, uh, rebuild uh, Judah, not just the, the walls. The walls took 52 days. It took 12 years to rebuild Judah. Because now you're moving from building structure to mil, to, uh, in the external to building culture through infrastructure, right? And I use the example of like, we start talking about systems and structure and people kind of like deer in the headlights sometimes. Like, what are we, what are we saying? I don't know these words, right? We kind of use the example of like, it's like if you had roads, like we have out here with no lines, right? If you have pavement with no lines, guess what happens? It's like survival of the fittest, right? You're not thriving, you're surviving. It's like first come, first serve, you're making it happen, you're figuring it out, it's the wild west. But then when you come in and put lines on the road to help, that's that's the system or the infrastructure to help guide and direct, right? Then, then people are able to actually sur- uh, not just survive, but thrive, because you're not trying to just survive. Everyone's got a system. There's an order. And now they're able to thrive and go places and do things and experience things that are better, like glory on, on glory, right? Like you move from survival to thriving. So... So I kind of shared a little bit about that, but that's like what Nehemiah was doing in the times, the rest of the years with Judah was reestablishing the ways of God, the ways of the kingdom, the ways of, that was the law, through the law, through uh, uh, through just uh, the history that they were re kind of like reminding themselves about the history of of, uh, Israel and bringing it back to the forefront and re, re, uh, uh, what's the right word? kind of reestablishing, thinking, reestablishing the culture of the kingdom, if you will, or the law, or the ways of God that he established way, 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 way back before, right? So this is kind of a little quick recap, Nehemiah. We talked a little bit about this and even in terms of where it looks like for us. Like there's some keys that we got out of there. Uh, I think I'd ask some questions like, what are you building? Um, you know, as Nehemiah was building something, what are you, um, what are you learning like the people among, in Judah had to learn new ways of doing things, had to learn new ways of, of life when they started reestablishing the ways of God, right? So they had to learn new ways because they'd had a history of kind of wild west, no lines on the road. We're just surviving. <clears throat> and then Nehemiah comes in with Ezra, the prophet, and says, hey, here's, here's, remember the law of God. Here's the ways of God. This is the ways he thinks, the ways he behaves. This is actually gonna bring life, right? And so he starts reestablishing this, but that means a people have to change, <laughs> right? They have to like change and shift. And so my challenge in us bringing this into us and our, applying it to our lives of like, in this season that we've been in, it's been a building season over the last several years. And what are we building? And what are we learning? Because we have to learn new ways of doing things, if the Lord's beginning to to reestablish culture or reestablish the ways of the kingdom in our hearts. We have to learn new ways of thinking and behaving and acting, that aren't like the ways we've learned before. That's called repentance, right? And so uh, I asked, "What are we building? What are we learning?" Um, the other question I asked was, if uh, I remember what it was. We asked, one more page, what are you learning, what are you building, and what are you fighting for? And so this was kind of like back to Nehemiah, like at one point while they were building the walls, they had to like lay stone with one hand and carry a sword with the other to fight for what they were building. Sometimes we have to fight for what we're building. Right? Guys, you guys hear me all right? Sometimes we have to fight for what you're building. Like if the Lord calls you to build something, sometimes it's not just great. We just do it. It's all easy. Anybody figured out that the life of following Jesus is easy? Because if you have, I'd love to get some tips (laughs) because I've not had that experience. Usually it's very hard, right? And, and, And we're in a culture where it's like, yeah, everything's amazing. It is. It doesn't mean it's easy. And so here they are rebuilding Judah, rebuilding a city. Does that sound like a familiar assignment? Right, they're rebuilding a city and they're having to not just uh, uh, build, like lay brick or stone, but they're having to learn new ways of thinking and behaving and doing and acting. And then they're having to actually fight for the new things that they're establishing. So what, I asked the questions, what are you building? What are you learning? What are you fighting for? Um, and so that's just kind of a little recap. We talked about that. I said this phrase, and, and I felt like the Lord had whispered it to me like maybe a few months ago sitting in the front row, and, and I heard the Lord say, um, kind of, it was a little bit about Bethel, Atlanta, and, and I'd heard him say, uh, what I'm building in you is bigger than you know. It, in fact, it's so, it's so much bigger that you would not believe it even if it were told you. And so I felt this charge, right? I heard this phrase, I felt this charge a few, couple of weeks ago sharing, like, like, that's a word for us. Like what he's building in you personally is bigger than you know. In fact, it wou- you wouldn't even believe it if it were told you, if it was, like I used the example, if it was drawn on the wall, this is what it is that I'm doing in you. You wouldn't believe it. Well, yeah, I would, Dan. Is, you know, we, prophetic culture, we declare those things, we see these things. No, I would go as far as to say you wouldn't even have the capacity to see it. Because there's, a, there's a, a factor when it comes to what we are, are seeing and, and, and have the ability to see. <clears throat> and so, you know, my kids are 17 and 15 And I remember when they were little, and as they were growing up, I would find other parents that were about my age or even further, right? And the the most common thing they would say, it goes quick, right? How many parents in the room, grandparents, you know, right? It goes fast, enjoy it while you can. And look, I, I did everything I could to like remember that. And I'm like, okay, let's take opportunity of moment of every moment, really kind of like be present, it still didn't change the fact that now I look back and go, it went fast. (laughs) I wish I would have taken more time. And what I'm realizing is we actually at that age don't have the capacity to do any more than we were doing (laughs) because you don't have the history or the perspective or the experience to see what you see at 40, 50, and 60. The 20, 30 year old doesn't have the capacity to see because of history, experience, perspective. So this is what I mean by when the Lord says, you wouldn't even believe it if it were told you, is we don't have the capacity to see. So anyway, I, I had you turn to Isaiah 61. I started this last uh, time too, and uh, saying this. This is... Um, Everything we do at Bethel Atlanta is revolving around, you know, gathering around his presence as a family and, uh, uh, you know, raising us up to be leaders that are reigning in life and restoring cities, right? This is like everything we do will kind of come back to the fact that we want you to be reigning in life. We want to be reigning in life. That's what we did this morning in in the midst of his presence. That's what we're doing as we're beginning to grow and, and be charged through messages, speakings, whatever, right? Like that's the, that's the end all like zeroed in purpose. And a lot of it comes, you know, example of it comes out of the house verse or chapter that we have through Isaiah 61. So let's, we'll just read this. We'll start at the beginning, Isaiah 61. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, giving them a, gar- a, garland, uh, uh, giving them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a spirit of fainting, so that they will be called the oaks of righteousness, the planning of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Then they will rebuild the ancient ruins, and they will raise up former devastations. They will restore ruined cities, the desolation of many generations. If you jump down to seven, I love it, it just starts, keeps like just hammering or six. But you will be called the priests of the Lord, the spoken of, you will be spoken of as ministers of our God. You'll eat the wealth of nations and the riches. In their riches, you will boast. Instead of shame, you'll have a double portion. Instead of humiliation, they will shout for joy over their portion. Therefore, they will possess a double portion in their land. Everlasting joy will be theirs. So Isaiah 61, if you're new here or you're, or you, you're, you're just starting to join us, like Isaiah 61 is our house verse. It's, our, it's kind of uh, Steve is like really set tent pegs in the ground and, and established. Like this is, this is Bethel Atlanta's call is to raise us up to be reigning in life uh, and, and we'll get into a little bit more of this, but uh, in an in, in, in effort that once we become the oaks of righteousness, that we then will restore ruined cities and former devastations. And this is the calling of Jesus. I mean, it's really the, Jesus is the model. If we ever have the question, what does it look like to reign in life? Look at Jesus. And if we're not there, then we gotta grow, <laughs> right? Anybody there? I'm, you don't have to raise your hand. I'm just, <clears throat> right? Like we're, we're on this journey. And so so I just wanted to kind of like lay a little bit of a foundation there, uh, go back to uh, really charging you with what is he doing inside of you? Because what he's doing inside of you is bigger than you know. In fact, you wouldn't believe it if it were told you. And I feel like there's some keys, you know, as we're looking at like how we're leading our life, how we're structuring our life, how we're building what he's building within us. And so I, I, I come up with a train analogy, you ready? Uh, Blake's a little better at metaphors and analogies than I am, but I'm gonna get a crack at it, okay? So it's, uh, imagine your life is like a train. <laughs> like you're, you're not just the train, but you're the train with the tracks. You're, you're going to a destination, right? Like imagine that this is uh, uh, your journey. And, and, uh, and we, you know, some of us are wired different. I don't know if you know this. Some of us are wired different than others, right? Some of us are natural builders. Some of us are natural settlers. Some of us are natural fi- uh, 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 trailblazers and forerunners, right? And so you, you might, you might, some of us might just be in the train, enjoying the ride, have no idea where it's going. This is our life, right? No idea where it's going, and to some degree, not even care. We're just really enjoying being in the train and, going, and just doing life, right? Some of us are like, I, I'm, I, I, know, I know where I want to go. I want to go to New Orleans. And so I'm going to drive this train to New Orleans on the dirt. <laughs> <laughs> and it's going to get there one way or another because darn it, what I declare happens, <laughs> right? So like this is, some of us are, are, are wire legged, Some of us are a little bit more like, okay, let's look at the land. Let's figure out where it's going. We're going to, I want to put tracks like this because it's going to be easier to go this way easier to go that way, and I'm going to eventually get to what I feel like I'm supposed to do is get to Seattle or something, right? right. And so like, yeah, Seattle. (laughs) so like, here here we are. There's, again, we all have different makeups, and and we're wired different. And so as I'm like unpacking this, as I was kind of just feeling the Lord on what was a little bit funny as I was unpacking it, it was like, oh, the Lord, you know, we can't see where we're going. Some of us are seers. Some of us are the forerunners, the trick. Like we can, we can, the architects, the designers, like I can see the mountains, I can see Seattle, but, but really it's the Lord that's like putting that in you, right? Isn't that what we say? We say, oh, the Lord has given you the desires of your heart. Like sometimes he actually put them in there, give you the desires of your heart, right? Not like on a platter. He's like, no, I'm giving them in your heart so that they can come to pass. And so we might want to go to have this desire to go to Seattle and it's the Lord that's put that inside of us. Now the journey getting there, is the key <laughs> because we can't see we, what I have for you is so much bigger than you can imagine you wouldn't believe it even if it were told you so imagine this if you can see it it isn't it <laughs> okay it may be a shadow it may be like a glimpse like a sliver of the picture but the Lord looks just like that you know, 60-year-old grandfather who can see history with the, uh, the life of his generations, of his son and his grandson and grandkids, can see, oh, you, you, I see what's good for you now. At 20, you don't know what's good for you. You're like, life is blowing up. At 60, you're like, oh, this is actually going to be really good. You see, there's a level of capacity through history and ability to see that we don't contain when it comes to the Lord looking at our lives and going, that track, we're going to go through the mountain. And you're like, oh no, no, it's a lot easier to go around the mountain. Like there's a nice valley, there's a great Starbucks there I'm going to stop at. Like it's going to be a lot of work to go through the mountain. Like like time. Not just effort, but it's going to take more time. I got to like chip, we got to dynamite and stuff. Like we got to blow up, like we're going to make tunnels. Like I need, I need other people. And, and, the, and the Lord's like, yeah, I know. This is going to be really good for you. And, and here's what I want to challenge us is like, most of the time our life, we're thinking a very uh, linear, um, singular, the Lord is doing something in me for me. Everything the Lord's is doing has is called you and the promises over your life is for you to have a better life and your kids and your legacy. And I wanna to propose to you it's not because we can't see with the capacity that he's seeing, that he's saying, no, if I can get through this mountain with your life, <laughs> your life is gonna make a breakthrough in a way for everyone else coming down that track. That it has nothing to do with you. And you're going to be okay. <laughs> like, I want to propose that your life, you, you're, I'm getting ahead of my, my message right now, but getting to the end already. But like, you're, I'm mean, 15 minutes now, I'm getting to the end. Like, your life is on display for the heavens to see the work of God. I approve it. You guys don't believe me yet. We'll get there. She's got it. So I'll I'll propose the Lord is the cartographer, the architect, the designer. He's the map maker leading the way. Because if he's not, we will be. I might leave that there. And you might get where you want to go. That's what I tell my students. Be careful of the dreams you're going after because you might get them. Hold them open and let the Lord do what he wants to do with them because I promise you, you'll want his run, dreams more than yours. Even though you can't see that in the moment. So, <clears throat> um, funny, funny story. We're in prayer this morning. And uh, I, I can't. it was my birthday yesterday. And uh, we were talking. Thank you. <clears throat> I did that so I can get the blog. <laughs> but I was like, I was like having this realization. I was like, uh, like so I turned 46, and I was like, um, my birthday weekend always revolves around winter break. And uh, something was reminding me, I was like, oh, I, uh, what was I doing 20 years ago? And I realized 20 years ago, I think to the weekend, because around winter break, we would do a ski trip with our college-age Bible study group. And uh, I was still able to be there because I wasn't 30 yet, so like, <laughs> but, uh, and so we would do this trip, and then, and then at the end of the trip of this one specific time, the leader in the group was my, one of my spiritual fathers, had a son who is then going to BSSM in Reading. So I'm from California. So all this story I'm telling you is taking place in California, sorry if you didn't know. So. So he's in BSSM in Reading and and we go to Mount Shasta just near Reading and so he goes, hey, we're gonna go by church uh, on our way home tomorrow if you wanna go. Now you guys, you gotta understand a couple things. I I came from an EV free church at this time, beautiful church, but you know, this is probably about the best we got for expression and worship, right? Just praise the Lord and they weren't standing, we were sitting, right? Praise the Lord, which is beautiful but we're talking about visiting Bethel. And this is in 2002. So this is on the tail end of the renewal movement. So it was weird, right? If you knew anything about the renewal movement, it was we, we got weird. People got weird, right? Flags and shofars and flopping and laughing and crying, right? This is out of the Toronto blessing stuff. So all this was, this was on a, right on the tail end of all that. And, and I'd been to a couple of those meetings and I tell you what, those people at Bethel are weird. I mean, strange, I'm like, scared out of my mind, to be honest. And so he's like, we should go by there. And, and I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll pop in, you know? And so we show up, Quinn was with me, <clears throat> and uh, it was our first year of marriage. And so we show up in service. Now I come from that church where we all sit down during worship, right? And your worship's kind of an annoyance because you just really want to get to the word because it's really about the word, right? <laughs> That's where the meat is. So, this is my, I'm just letting you into my, my, where I'm at in this moment, right? Coming into this. And uh, like, I'm, I'm pretty emphatic that, that the name it, claim it, like by his drapes, we're healed. It's, that's what all that is. None of it's biblical. Like, this is my frame of mind coming into this church, okay? <laughs> so, I, I come in, sit down, and it's like there's chaos everywhere, right? There's like people are moving, there's things going on, and. I'm like, God's not a God of chaos. This is not biblical, you know, like I got, I I know my verses, i have been a Christian for like 13 years. Like I'm, so, so here we are. And, and, uh, and I didn't, I don't have language for it then at the time, I know what it was happening now, but I remember just being in this moment and like, and I was like, literally like, if the flags, as long as the flags don't come out, I'll be okay. Because those are definitely of the devil all right sorry flag waivers i'm apologize but i'm like that's definitely not like right that's and and I, i've never seen it happen again but i swear to you worship started and a train of flag people came <laughs> flying out onto the stage like eight or nine of them running out there with the flags and i kid you not i have physical pain in my chest like physical pain and i'm like it's the lord the Lord's talking to me. This is, I knew this was evil, right? This is uh, The Lord's talking about pain. He's, this is, I knew this was wrong. <laughs> this is what's happening. It's so I remember I got down on my knees and I'm like, what in the world have I just stepped into? And, uh, and I remember thinking about this spiritual father who I'm with, who's brilliant, right? He's a brilliant man. Uh, he's a dentist. Like he's not, he, he's educated. Like, he, like he's, you know, he's not... He's brilliant. So I'm like, in this moment, and I trust him. Like, I, He's been a spiritual father since I was saved. And I'm like, on the ground, and I'm like, okay, there, if, if he's here, there's something here. And I remember telling the Lord, if I'm missing out on a blessing, help me see. Because I don't want to miss out on something if there's something here. And I remember standing up, opening my eyes, and and I saw what was be an open vision where I could see God's presence come down in the middle of us. And I remember, like, there's flag people and people dancing and, like, everyone's swaying. That's all the commotion was. It was just people swaying. I just didn't know it. You know, I didn't know swaying. <laughs> I know, It's chaos. Chaos everywhere. <laughs> and so they're just, like, so, like, they're like, I'm realizing, like, what's happening. And I hear the Lord say, they're doing this for me in terms of worship, right? They're worshiping me. They're doing this for me. And I remember feeling the conviction of the Lord of like, who am I? Who am I to say how someone else can worship the Lord? <laughs> like, where, what the heck happened to me? And so I remember breaking, bawling, crying, just Lord, you know, repenting. And, um, and you guys, from, from that moment, uh, my spiritual father's told me year after year when I see him, you've never looked back, Dan. You've never looked back. He goes, I can go back to that moment and you've never looked back from that moment. And it was because I tasted the presence of God. I had an encounter with the presence of God in a random worship service on a Sunday morning that a house had cultivated because they said the presence is the preeminent thing that we're going after. There's no, there's no second, no plan B. It's God or all, and all God or nothing. That's who we are. That's our history. But this is a story where a life got changed and encountered. And then from that moment, I was on a rampage to find the presence of God in anything and everything I could, and found myself in worship and in books and in whatever. And, we're, and we ended up going, to, becoming a part of a church that Chris Valentin's daughter was a pastor, her and her husband, and, uh, and so we, we spent, that's the church we came from. I mean, that, we spent 13 years there. And, um, and in, that, in that place, Like I found identity, I found purpose, we found all the things that we know, right? But if I go back, like I was raised in a town of 600 people that was, 600, that was 35 miles from anything, groceries. (laughs) Like middle of nowhere in Northern California. And, And it was riddled with drugs, alcohol, addiction, depression, like, that was the town I grew up in. And when I look at the, at the trajectory and, you know, I've touched on some of my stories. Some of you guys know I got saved when I was 13 and then went into a life of drugs and, uh, and uh, uh, ended up in prison and, and, and all sorts. And so, like, when I look at this trajectory and I start seeing from the bigger vantage point at 46 and go, what in the world was the Lord doing that was in me bigger than I could have ever imagined to the point that and one day I have an encounter in a church in Reading, and 20 years later, not only am I speaking at a Bethel church, but I'm part of a leadership that is building, and it's influencing one of the top 10 metropolitan cities in America. Now, I don't think you heard it. I grew up in a town of 600 people in the middle of nowhere. And if you would have told me as, a, as an eight-year-old or a 10-year-old or a 12-year-old, you're gonna be living in one of the top 10 metropolitan cities in America and being a part of a team that's influencing revival and reformation in a city that is a part of a global movement that's happening, <laughs> would I have believed it? No, no. I'm worried about not getting hit by a car and my bike on my way to school because I'm riding on the highway. Like, The bricks that you're laying now, you have no realization that it's part of rebuilding a city. I don't think you're hearing me. The Lord has called you to rebuild, to build, right? He's calling you to lay bricks. You think you're laying bricks to build a wall. You've heard the story, right? You ask the guy, what are you building? I'm building a wall. You ask the next guy, what are you building? He's laying bricks. Well, I'm building a house. What's the next guy? Well, I'm, what are you laying? Well, I'm building a, a palace for the king. You see, it's, a, it's about perspective. It's about awareness. It's about the, the trajectory. If you, can, if you can get out of your life for a second and see the bigger of what the Lord is doing, then you'll realize your brick laying here. When I ask you, what are you building and what are you learning? What are you fighting for? That what you're fighting for here has to do with a bigger story that you're a part of. Like we at Bethel Atlanta are part of a timeline, a dream that the Lord had over Atlanta. Steve got that dream and started pioneering this dream. We as a leadership team are continuing to build on that dream. In 50 and 75 years, someone else is gonna be building on that dream. It not, has nothing to do with us. It has to do with where we're at in our timeline, in history, what we're putting our hands to. And it comes back to asking the question, what are you building? What are you learning? What are you fighting for? Because what you're fighting for is going to blow a hole through a mountain that allows everyone else to come down the tracks that you're you're paving in this moment right now, that you're laying in this moment right now. We've got to see bigger. We've got to see as big as we can and trust where we (laughs) can't. because the reality is what he's doing in you is bigger than you can imagine, that you wouldn't believe it even if it were told you. Your life, your life is the testimony. I could feel, I can't quite get what I'm saying across. Like your personal individual life, collectively with other people building, contending for, fighting for, whatever your personal life you're going after. Can you hear me? Your personal life, whatever you're going after, right? This is the stones you're laying that's right in your backyard. Like whatever it is that you're laying right now in your backyard, it could be fighting for uh, healing. It could be fighting for wholeness. It could be emotional health. It could be, uh, I'm fighting for new land. There's inheritances that have been stolen from me. I'm literally in the, in going to the courts fighting for, it could be whatever, whatever the battle that you're fighting in this moment Personally, If you draw it back, if we're doing this collectively in a mosaic, there's a picture that the Lord's painting and he's saying, this is the dream I have for Bethel Atlanta and this is the dream I have that's bigger than what you realize and it's all part of the bigger picture. This is why we're charged. I want want to charge us like, what are you fighting for? Are you fighting for the, the, here's the thing, like the Lord's like, I want to go through the mountain and we're like, well, I wanna go around it. It's easier to go in the valley. And he's like, no, I'm taking you through the mountain. Well, as you start laying tracks for that train to go and you start building to go, I promise you, you're gonna get distracted. I'm not prophesying. I'm telling you what's gonna happen. <laughs> because we know this is what happens. And you forget what you're doing. You guys, we've been, we've been outside church for three and a half years. We think this is normal. This is not normal, but we forgot what we were doing. We got wrapped up with laying the bricks and forgetting we're building a palace. And the palace is a bigger bigger picture. What, What if that's a place where people gather to have an encounter like I did, where they show up and come from the city, get a life, their life trajectory gets shifted. And then, and then the city gets influenced because someone got exposed to the presence of God because we spent three and a half years building it. You guys getting what I'm saying? Like what we're doing is a big, bigger than what we realize. And, and even personally, what you're fighting for is a part, as we heard Paul Manwaring share last week, right? Like your personal life is attached to the corporate life of the body. So when, 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 when we're in the middle of laying those tracks and we start getting distracted and forgetting, we have to, this, when we have to fight, put a sword in your hand and remember the words of the Lord and the promises of the Lord, even when it doesn't feel good. And when I look back even on my story and I'm looking at 20 years of growth, like I, 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 you know I'm not living the life I probably would have dreamed. We all dream of growing up being rich. Being a pastor, you're not rich, <laughs> right? Like you, 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 we we dream of things, and then as I go back and look, I realize, and this is, I think a couple of keys I want to leave you with is that your life is not your own. <laughs> We've given our lives over to Jesus. We're bond servants of Christ, and in that call, we have forfeited. Our own desires, this is going to sound wild in our culture, our own desires and our own dreams, as beautiful as they are, even if he puts them in us, they still need to go on the altar. Because if you don't, you'll find yourself getting them. And I promise you, you would rather get his, even if it's the same one exponentialized or whatever, right? Like we... And this is what we fight for. Are you fighting to give your life away? Because your life is the testimony. It's the miracle. It's the demonstration of the kingdom. It's the demonstration of the works and power of God. It's a demonstration of the sign and the wonder that a convict can be standing up here telling you how this works. <laughs> like this is a demonstration of the miraculous power, the sign and the wonder of God. But, but you have to fight for it. Like, it doesn't come easy. It's not like, yeah, we follow Jesus and everything's great. It's, no, no, no. We actually had to fight for things. Like when the Lord's like, hey, I want you to sell this business and do this and make substantially less money. I'm like, okay. Because my life's not my own. Hey, I want you to do this next. I'm like, well, that doesn't make sense. He goes, it doesn't have to. See, he's... He's the map maker, he's the cartographer, he's the architect, I'm just building what's in front of me. Trusting that I'm building a palace because I've heard him say it and I have no idea just how big this palace is. And the palace isn't for me. The palace is for the world to see. It isn't my palace, we are building something larger. It's called the kingdom. We're called to build the, 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 the the city of God on the earth. That's what we're building. And how are we doing it? We're doing it with your individual breakthrough and personal things that you're fighting for. So the things I'm leaving with you is we're part of building something bigger than ourselves. We're building palaces, not walls. We're, we, 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 we've been called to give, give our life away and fight to give our life away because it's super tempting and easy to start grabbing it for ourselves. This is like, I have a real passion for the business community and, and, and entrepreneurship, and I think one of my probably biggest, like, uh, pet peeves is <laughs> a, not a good word for it, but you'll understand what I'm saying, uh, with, with the business community is the realization that the gift of God on someone's life to create wealth is never intended for them to create it for themselves. because the gift of God on anyone's life is, is meant to give it away. It was freely, it's been given, freely give it away. I'm not saying you give away wealth. I'm saying your wealth is meant to create econom- economical wealth for the people around you who don't have that gift. Amen. Which is why you have it. Yes. Whatever it is that you're being called to, whatever it is that you're, you have to fight for it and realize It's not fighting for you, it's fighting so that the people around you are benefited by the God that's within you. The people in the places around you are benefited by the kingdom that's within you. Like we need some perspective shifting. Our life is not our own. It's not about us living better and being more blessed. That, That will happen because we are following the Lord but it's not the reason we do it. In fact, not only is it not the reason, it becomes less even important when we're following that train because we realize that the people around us being benefited and blessed is the reason. And that brings more joy than me just being able to go to Starbucks when I want. I don't know why I'm talking about Starbucks. I don't even like Starbucks, sorry. I don't even know if I can say that, but I am. The last thing I wanna leave you with is, what do you? I said, what are you learning? And I think even just charging us with how we're just growing in our ability to see and our capacity to see is we, we don't see the whole picture. We need people around us, we need the Lord. We need the Lord because he's the seer. We need people around us to see. I need grandpas in my life to show me and tell me things that I don't know because I don't have the history and experience to see it. Nor do I even have the ex- capacity which requires me to trust Somebody more than I trust myself, which is a hard word in today's generation because I don't need any information from anybody. I can Google it. But you can't get impartation. You can't get community connection. You can't get fathers and mothers through Google. Use it. I love it but it just can't be the only source. We have to realize, and this is you know, the being learners, which is the definition of a disciple, to being disciples, which is what we've been called to be. Being learners requires humility. It requires us to realize and recognize we're in need of someone and something. We needed a savior. I need people in my life to speak into my life where I can't see it. I have a need there. If I'm going to be a learner, if I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to own the fact that I don't know something, which is hard in a day where we can Google everything. But we have to be learners. I meant to share this last time when I was sharing, but um, one of Chris Vallotton's favorite verses, Let's see if I can find it. Not not verses, I said verses, quotes. In a world of change, the learners shall inherit the earth, while the learned find themselves perfectly suited for a world that no longer ex- exists. In a world of change, the learners shall inherit the earth, while the learned find themselves perfectly suited for a world that no longer exists. We can never stop being learners. We can never lay this aside that there's somewhere, even in our vast experience, even in our vast knowledge, even in our vast capability and ability, we have to come to terms with the fact we can't see the whole picture and we need the Lord. We need him as the designer and the architect to say, this is how we're gonna get to Seattle and we're gonna go to New York first. It may not make any sense, but trust me on this, what you're going to do in New York is actually bring a breakthrough that I'm, he's orchestrating, that there's other people that need that's on your life because your life is meant to be the testimony and the breakthrough and the demonstration, the sign and the wonder. Where he leads you is part of a bigger picture. What you're fighting for is part of a bigger picture. And so I just want to charge you, fight. <laughs> fight for it. When he's calling you into something or doing something in you that just really is painful, fight for it. Fight for it because what you're fighting for is bigger than you know. It's not just about you having a breakthrough so that you can no longer circle this mountain anymore. It's so that you have a breakthrough so your kids don't have to fight that breakthrough and your friends. And then there's other people in the community. Now, what if regionally there's a breakthrough for that? Oh. What if spiritually in a region, there's a breakthrough for something because you went after something? Yeah. Yeah. You, you guys, what we're doing is bigger than we know. Yeah. Yeah. What he's doing in us is bigger than we know. Yeah. Yeah. What we're a part of at Bethel Atlanta is building something that's bigger than we have any idea. 100 acres for 100 years is a drop in the bucket for what he's doing with Bethel Atlanta's dream and call on the city and the region. And we are all part of it in our personal lives and our breakthroughs. Can you guys stand? Lord, I just thank you for stirring us again, just continuing to keep this in front of us. This, that help us see. <laughs> help us see, Lord. Help us see what we can't see. Help us trust that we would trust you more than we trust ourselves. Lord, I just impart courage to everyone in the room to fight the good fight, to fight a fight of becoming a believer that walks in power and signs and wonder and victory, that reigns in life regardless of the circumstances we find ourselves in that is part of the Isaiah 61, that as our lives are become healed, that we become the oaks of righteousness, that then restore cities. Lord, our great call. Lord, I just impart courage that we would fight the fight. We would build the wall that's in front of us. Would be see that we were a part of a bigger picture of what's happening? Stay steadfast. Lord, I just impart courage that we'd stay steadfast in the assignment before us. And Lord, impart hope to us. Hope. We lift our heads to see you. And say, give us hope to see what's happening around us and what's happening in us. And the courage to fight what's in front of us. Lord, that we would be learners, always on this, just seeking. Always seeking what's next that you're doing. How we're growing. How you're leading us your heart and your dream for us, for the people around us, for the city around us. Lord, help us see that we're building something bigger than ourselves. We thank you for the season we've been in, in building. And Lord, we just are super excited on the edge of our seat about this next leg of the journey and what you're going to do with us as Bethel Atlanta, as a family. Yeah. We feel privileged and honored to be a part of it. In Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. To stay connected with Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com.